Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on the 5th of January and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and before I begin I'd like to start by wishing you all a very happy new year and I hope you had a good Christmas as well. The team this week comprises John Plush as recording engineer, Carol Hartle on copying and admin and our readers today are Catherine Neal. Hello. Phil Lee. Hello. And Jane Fairs. Hello. I would like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners who are joining us today and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we'll include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, a little bit of sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week sunrise and sunset times, and, of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. As you probably know by now, the obituaries are recorded after the closing music. We love to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766 or alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. A couple of things I thought I would add in here. Um, As you're probably aware, we've had some real problems with the post uh, all the strikes, etc. And if you had anything like my Christmas cards, which I sent two weeks before Christmas and some of them still haven't arrived, you may be feeling what's happened with your talking newspaper stuff, but we're doing our best. Um, and the other thing is, in case you're not aware, I thought you'd like to know that you must use up your non-barcoded regular stamps by the end of this month or you can swap them out. And if you want to do that, you need to send uh, to free post swap out and there are no stamps or additional details needed on that and you include your envelopes with your name your address your postcode and the number of stamps if you need any further details you can get in touch with royalmail.com slash barcoded stamps for further details okay so let's start this week with the telephone numbers which phil is going to supply Okay, Wilds Lane. Here at Wilds Lane, we are 01905 767 766. Listeners should be aware, and you probably already are, that this is not manned daily and you need to be patient if a reply is required. Police non emergency is 101. NHS Direct is 111. Out of hours medical assistance can be found on 0300 123 3211, and that's between 6 and 8 pm. Crime Stoppers is 0800 treble 5 treble 1. Worcester Hub is 01905 765 765. Worcestershire County Council here to help is 01905 768053 and then you need to select option 3. Uh, for fire safety, the community risk team is 0800 032 5. 
The Domestic Abuse Helpline is 0800 980 Sense Adventures, which is walking for the visually impaired, you can contact D Jones on 01684 891297 or 07920 Failing that, the website address is www.senseadventures, all one word, .co.uk. The Samaritans is 116123. Worcester Live is 01905 611427. Malvern Theatres are 01684 And Worcester Wheels for Transport is 01905 450654. And that's between 8.30 in the morning and 4.30 in the afternoon. Thank you, Phil. That's great. So we'll move on to um, some of the what's on. If you keep your ears open, I've got a couple of other stories later on that uh, have some events coming up, but they're further on into the future. So on Saturday the 21st at 7.30pm, Worcester Cathedral is holding its annual gala organ recital featuring James Lancelot, canon emeritus organist from Durham Cathedral. The recital lasts approximately an hour costs £15, although it's free for under-18s, and refreshments will be available after the performance. Also at the Cathedral, the New Year heralds in the return of their popular lunchtime recital series. These take place most Thursday lunchtimes and start at 12.15pm. The week before, on January the 14th at 7.30pm, the Swan Theatre is showcasing Gareth Gates in the best of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Tickets are £32.50, but only single seats are now available owing to exceptionally high demand. Telephone numbers was to live 611-427. Over in Malvern at the <coughs> Malvern Theatre, the English Symphony Orchestra are playing on the Saturday the 21st a variety of different pieces of music, which I think the overall um, title is Visions of Italy. Prices there are range from £35 down to £25 and include a 12% booking fee. And finally, Link Nurseries at Poic have a session for visually impaired people on Friday mornings. Uh, the phone number for more details is 01905 And if you catch the number 44 bus from Crown Gate, get off at the Crown in Poic. Will take you to those um, sessions. So that's all for what's on, and we will now start the headline stories. And Catherine is going to redo all the headlines and then begin with the first story. Yes, <clears throat> thank you, Pippa. So on Friday, December the 30th, the headline was Shell Fishing, suspected First World War ordnance caught by YouTubers. On Saturday, December the 31st, Sentenced to library ban. On Monday, the headline was Island of Danger, demand for wider road crossing point. Tuesday's headline was Find your own way to hospital. Patients face long wait for ambulances. Wednesday, 5% bill rise as council tax adds to cost crisis. And today, Thursday, the headline is Fury at School Run Pub Ban. So I'll start with last Friday's headline story. 
shellfishing, suspected First World War ordnance caught by YouTubers. A key taped off over Great War shell find. Magnet fishers found this First World War shell in the River Severn, we can reveal. Treasure hunters, the Peaky Dippers, who are a group of amateur magnet fishers on YouTube, found a 15-pound artillery shell on Wednesday. As we reported yesterday, police cordoned off a stretch of the riverside after the discovery of the bomb in the river. Officers used police tape to cordon off Key Street, Copenhagen Street and the riverbank on the North Parade. A number of nearby premises were evacuated, including Brown's Restaurant, while passers-by were advised to take a different route. Nigel Lamford, who's from Hampshire, has a track record of finding explosives across the country while fishing. Mr Lamford said, When I found it, I thought, not again. This is not the first one we've found. We've shut down the River Thames and a train station in Birmingham over what we've found. <clears throat> I know it will cause trouble for the locals, and it is a pain, but I'm not shocked by it. We think it was an 18-pound artillery from the First World War. As soon as we found it, we cordoned off the area to stop people from going near there. The group rang the police, who cordoned off the rest of Copenhagen Street from 3.30 to 7pm. A controlled explosion was carried out yesterday on farmland. Mr Lamford, who works as an auto-electrician, has been magnet fishing for four years and has a successful YouTube account which has nine million views, where he's been sharing his findings for three and a half years. He said... It's just the hunt. You want to find something better than what you've previously found. But it's also good for the environment. Sometimes we find motorbikes with oil pouring out of them, and it's better for that not to be in a river. We're called treasure hunters. We look for old things, but I've probably found about 15 artilleries, 30 grenades and 100 guns. What I've found has been picked up by the press. I've been on the Times and the radio a few times. I just have a reputation for guns and explosions. It's not my fault. They find me. It's not the first time, and it's not going to be the last. Although the first one I did find did cause some panic because it was the first time I'd ever held an explosive in my hand. But it's better to have a level head. South Worcestershire Police said yesterday we can confirm that earlier today the Explosive Ordnance Disposal safely carried out a controlled explosion on farmland in South Worcestershire of a suspected live 15-pound World War I shell. Right. So Saturday's headline was Sentenced to Library Ban. A sex attacker has been banned from the hive for half the week as part of his punishment for a serious crime. Nadim Wali of Coma Road, Worcester, had already admitted carrying out the sex attack in the public library, returning to Worcester Magistrates Court to be sentenced. Val Hart, prosecuting, explained the 28-year-old and a victim had been sitting in a library area on September the 17th in 2021. He touched both breasts and said he liked them, the prosecutor said. She was scared, she didn't know what to do, so she left and he was very upset. The prosecutor said the sexual touching had not been wanted by the victim and she had suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of what had happened. Mrs Hart said that the first police interview had shown Wally only admitted hugging and kissing the victim, but in the second interview he did finally admit touching the breasts. A pre-sentence report had set out that Wally had autism. 
Mark Turnbull, defending, said he had suffered anxiety waiting for the case to come to court and was keen for it to be concluded. Sentencing Wally, District Judge Stephen Jonas said, This was a really serious offence. You couldn't complain if I sent you to prison, but I'm not going to. Wally was ordered a two-year commute, handed a two-year community order, which includes 30 rehabilitation activity requirement days to address his offending. He was handed a two-year restraining order with the restrictions. He cannot contact the victim directly or indirectly, and he's banned from going to the hive on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays during that period. The district judge added, If you breach the restraining order, that's really serious offence and it carries up to five years in jail. Wally is required to sign the sex offenders register, a requirement ordered by magistrates after he originally admitted the offence of sexual assault on a female in November. He was also ordered to pay £200 compensation to the victim, a victim surcharge of £95 and costs of £600. Mr Turnbull explained Wally was of limited means, making an offer to pay £10 a week to clear the total of £895, but the district judge rejected this offer and ordered that he should pay £15 a week. The case was heard at the court on December the 22nd. The Worcester News have asked Worcester City Council to comment. And This is the news on um, Monday, January the 2nd. Uh, demand for a road crossing point that is wider where baby buggies and wheelchairs do not have to risk the island of danger. Disabled people in mobility scooters and parents with baby buggies fear they're taking their lives in their hands crossing a busy main road. Calls have gone out for a pedestrian crossing to be put in place near the shops in Cranham Drive, Warnden, with one councillor now putting in a formal job request. Councillor Jill Deseira is also concerned about the risks to groups of teenagers and schoolchildren crossing at that point and the lack of any pedestrian crossings along the road. At the moment, people can cross to the middle of the road where there is an island for them to stand featuring illuminated bollards and tactile paving. However, some residents say when they cross to this halfway point in a mobility scooter or with a pushchair, they end up sticking out into the road, making them feel vulnerable. John Hughes, aged 80, of Sheepscombe Drive, who uses a mobility scooter, is one of the number who's raised the issue, prompting Labour's councillor to formally request some type of crossing is put in. Mr Hughes said... I don't have enough room. There's not really enough room to stand there. In my mobility scooter, I don't feel safe when I get to the middle. These cars come down this road like a bat out of hell. Councillor Desera said that she'd raised the issue with Worcestershire County Council in June. This month, she went one step further and made a formal written application for a crossing because she felt the council had now been aware of the issue for months with action yet to be taken. She said, There aren't any crossings at all on the whole of Cranham Drive and I think it's inadequate. In fact, the shops there are one reason why people want to cross there so much and there are two bus stops in close proximity. The island almost makes it worse as it invites people to stand in the middle of the road. That's an accident waiting to happen. 
Anyone with a pushchair or mobility scooter does not have room to be there. It's a prime crossing location, but not a very safe one. Parents with baby buggies and disabled people are taking their lives in their hands. A spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said, "We received a port report on December the nineteenth, requesting a pedestrian crossing on Cranham Drive. This is currently being assessed." And the headline for Tuesday, January the third: Find your own way to hospital. Ambulance bosses say patients have been asked to make their own way to A and E, as there are under pressure NHS creeks under the strain. A person claiming to be a 999 call advisor for the West Midlands Ambulance Service said emergency patients, even stroke patients and those suffering chest pains, were being made were being asked to make their own way to A and E departments. The claims were made in a series of Facebook posts. However, and a service spokesperson disputed this and said patients had simply been advised to make a choice between getting to A and E themselves or waiting a long time for an ambulance. The delays are because of pressure at the door of hospitals, including Worcestershire Royal Hospital, where ambulances have been queuing and waiting to hand over patients. Wait times at A and E were over seven hours at Worcestershire Royal at the time of writing. One doctor said the department had its busiest ever day this month, breaking the previous record, and delays were putting patients at risk. A West Midlands ambulance service spokesman said it was not accurate to say that all patients were being told to make their own way to A and E. However, patients were given the opportunity to make their own minds up about how they got to hospital because of the delays. She added. The ambulance service relies on each part of the health and social care system working together, so that our ambulances can get to patients in the community quickly. Sadly, the pressures we are seeing in health and social care lead to long hospital hand- handover delays, with our crews left caring for patients that need admitting to hospital rather than responding to the next call. The result is that our crews are delayed reaching patients. Since July, we've been advising patients where there are likely to be long delays in us responding, which allows them to make the decision as to whether they make their own way to A and E. We took the very difficult decision to introduce this, based on feedback from serious incidents, patient feedback, and comments from groups such as Health Watch. Remember that 999 is for people who are critically unwell or where there is a risk to life. If you need medical help or want reassurance, use NHS one 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 online at one 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 dot nhs dot uk, or contact your GP or visit a pharmacist. You can also do your part to help the NHS by ensuring you have had your COVID nineteen booster and flu jab. She said, "We continue to work with all of our NHS and social care partners to prevent these delays." Looking at new ways to safely hand over patients quickly, so that our crews can respond more rapidly and save more lives. So the headline on Wednesday, January the fourth, was five percent bill rise. Council tax bills are to go up. The average council tax bill is set to rise by an extra eighty-seven pounds from March, as the cost of living crisis continues to hit households across the country.
Worcestershire County Council has proposed a rise of almost 5% in its council tax share, with some of the money ring-fenced to pay for adult social care, which would see its slice rise by almost £70 for Band D households. This would push total bills for Band D homes, including the police precept, both city and county councils, and the region's fire service precept, which usually rises yearly by between £1.50 and £2, to nearly £2,024, or roughly £170 a month. Despite the proposed rise in council tax from April, the County Council will still be facing a £68 million hole in the next financial year. It is because of growing demand and inflation, including an extra £40 million needed to cover the ever-spiralling cost of social care, as well as £17 million to deal with inflation and £11 million for the proposed pay increase for staff. Budget papers reveal the government has agreed to give the county an extra £26 million in funding next year, plus an extra £19.5 million for adult and children's social care. Inflation and the rising cost of borrowing mean the council's capital programme, which includes all the county's major and long-term projects, such as roads, bridges and schools, will increase by more than £36 million. Council bosses said £22 million would have to be cut or saved from next year's budget and a further £45 million would have to be slashed from the budget in the following three years. The city's council tax bills are split between four main authorities and five for those who live in St Peter's and Maunden parishes, with the majority going to Worcestershire County Council to pay for services such as adults and children's social care, education, highways and waste disposal. Worcester City Council also receives a portion to pay for the services it provides such as bin collections, planning and housing and the region's fire and police services each get a share to cover its costs. The City Council is pushing for an increase in its share of council tax in 2023-24, a rise of £6 on last year's average bill. Mid-year budget papers reveal the authority is assuming an extra rise of £6 on this year's average council tax bill in 2023-24, meaning the share it asks for will rise to almost £207 for those in Band D households. West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion has also revealed in his budget plans that he will be asking the average taxpayer in Worcestershire to pay almost £10 more next year towards the cost of policing. Right. Interesting headline next because it sets up two possible stories depending on how we read it. So here it goes. We could have have thought of it as fury at school-run pub ban. And we'd be thinking, what are schools doing running pubs these days? Everything's different. But unfortunately, it's fury at school run pub ban, which is entirely different. And here it comes. Parents of primary school pupils have verbally abused pub car park staff after they were unable to use its car park. The the head teacher of Kemsey Primary School has called their behaviour inappropriate after parents discovered that they couldn't park in Talbot Pub's car park on the first day of school yesterday, that's yesterday, Wednesday. 
parents at the school have long enjoyed an unwritten agreement that they can use the car park, but it's being used by contractors until January 24th for renovations that are being carried out at the pub. Talbot staff reported parents of pupils at Kemsey Primary School to the school following the issues yesterday morning. On social media, the pub said, The Talbot car park is not a public car park. It belongs to the pub and is for our customers. From January 4th to 24th, we planned work taking place on site. The car park is not to be used during the hours of 6am and noon to allow our contractors access and the works to be completed. If we continue to be verbally abused by members of the public over parking, then we'll close the car park until opening hours for the foreseeable future. We have reported the individuals this morning to the school. We will not tolerate any abuse and we will name and shame those responsible if it continues. Bryony Baines, head teacher of the school, said that some parents did not behave appropriately and called the incident unfortunate. Mrs Baines said, The landlord came to speak to us this morning and was very reasonable and pleasant about the situation. We have had an agreement with the pub for many years that parents can use the car park in the mornings and the afternoons to collect and drop off their children. There are now new landlords at the pub who are working tirelessly to make sure the pub is great for its customers and the staff certainly do not deserve this. No, indeed. And people made fewer 999 calls in Worcestershire over the festive period and the New Year period proved to be one of the busiest on record for the 111 service, but one of the quietest for 999. Over the period from Saturday the 31st of December to Monday, January the 2nd, the Ambulance Trust, which covers Worcestershire, received 16,694 calls to the 111 service, up 78.5% on the previous year, which is exactly what they're asking us to do, isn't it? For the same period, the 999 service saw a 15.1% fall in emergency calls, taking 13,113 calls. It was a similar picture on New Year's Eve, which was the quietest year since West Midlands Ambulance Service University NHS Foundation Trust was set up. In total, between 6pm on Saturday the 31st of December and 6am on New Year's Day, the Trust took 1,710 calls compared to 3,002 the previous year, the busiest ever. The West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman said, I would like to thank the public for heeding our requests that they use services such as 111 online and speak to a pharmacist or their GP and only use the 999 service if a patient is critically unwell or there is a risk to life. This has been an incredibly challenging period for all parts of the NHS. The ambulance service relies on each part of the health and social care system working together so that our ambulances can get to patients in the community quickly. Sadly, the pressures we're seeing in health and social care lead to longer hospital handover delays with our crews left caring for patients that need admitting to hospital rather than responding to the next call. The result is that their crews are delayed in reaching patients and we're working incredibly hard with all our NHS and social care partners to prevent these delays.
looking at new ways to safely hand over patients quickly so that our crews can respond more rapidly and save more lives. Well, I think it must be that time of year when there's a lot of assessing of um, numbers and so on. This is a, a brief article about top of the borrowed list at the library. And it's a crime book that's topped the most borrowed books list for Worcestershire libraries. In 2022, crime was the most popular genre across Worcestershire libraries too. Richard Osman topped the most borrowed books list with his latest novel, The Man Who Died Twice, borrowed a total of 970 times. His debut novel, The Thursday Murder Club, was borrowed a total of 769 times. It was closely followed by Lee Child and Andrew Child's Better Off Dead, with 733 issues. For younger audiences, Liz Pichon's Spectacular School Trip was the most borrowed children's title in 2022, with 387 issues. David Williams proved popular too with Worcestershire's younger readers. His book Slime took second place with 374 issues and with three more Williams titles, Gangster Granny, Strikes Again, The Beast of Buckingham Palace and Fing taking fourth, fifth and sixth place. Councillor Marcus Hart, Cabinet Member for Communities at Worcestershire County Council, said, It's always interesting to look back and see which page turners proved popular in the past 12 months. It's been great to see that the joy of reading has been there for so many people in Worcestershire. I would encourage anyone to visit their local library to see the many resources they have to offer. The magic of a good book is there for everyone. To find out more about Worcestershire's libraries and the benefits of library membership, visit the dedicated pages on the County Council website. The plan to open a new multi-million pound theatre in the city centre has moved a step forward. Worcester City Council has submitted a planning application which would see a new 500-seat performing arts venue open at the former Scala Theatre in Angel Place. The neighbouring Grade 2 listed Corn Exchange would be used as a foyer for the new theatre. The council had been forced to redraw plans for the new 500-seat venue because of money woes and has scrapped another key piece of the project to help pay for the centrepiece work. Several parts of the project have already been ditched, including work to convert the Grade 2 listed Corn Exchange next to the Scala Theatre into a 110-seat venue, as well as plans for a dance studio and rehearsal space. A statement submitted alongside the planning application admitted that building every element of the aspirational brief had become significantly beyond the budget of the project. The current budget, which has spiralled because of the rising cost of construction and materials, is already millions of pounds short, and the council is still trying to hunt down potential investors to bridge the gaps. The council needs the green light from ministers to move around £6 million of the £18 million it was given by the government away from other projects and pump it into making sure the Scala work goes ahead. The City Council said it expects the government to back its request, but having you turned on plans to sell the Swan Theatre admits it would still leave the project as much as £850,000 short. Last month, City Councillors voted to push on with building the new venue, despite the fears that the true cost of the project will not be known until it's built. A report which was discussed by the councillors at a meeting in the Guildhall on December 13th 
said pausing or even pulling the plug on the project had become a matter for more serious consideration. You can view the application by visiting the planning section of Worcester City Council's website. The application number is 22 forward slash 01095 forward slash FUL and consultation ends on January the 25th. Right, this could be our last Christmas story, I suppose, for this year. It's headlined Christmas Lights Bag Charity £1,000. A popular Christmas light display near Worcester raised over £1,000 for charity in its final year. Mick and Norma Gale of Rushwick have been operating Santa's Garden for the last 20 years in aid of the Midlands Air Ambulance. And it's accompanied by lots of photographs of Norma and Mick themselves. And we've got Santa's, we've got a reindeer called Twinkle. We've got all sorts of Christmas trees and icicles and walking sticks. I've seen a lot of walking sticks around this Christmas. I don't know what their Christmas reference is, but I digress. This Christmas was the final year that Mr and Mrs Gale were running, in the dis- were running the display in its entirety due to the rising bills caused by the cost of living crisis. This year, the couple raised a total of £1,203 for the ambulance. Mr Gale said, Santa's garden Christmas lights are now switched off and put away for another year. We hope you all had a super Christmas and hope that Santa brought you all that you asked for. We want to thank everyone who has been down to see us and donated, either in the garden or via post or our Just Giving page for the Midlands Air Ambulance this year. This year's display first opened on Saturday, December the 17th at 6pm, and Mr Gale confirmed that it will sadly be the last year during to cost, due, due to costs. In December, Mr Gale said, We've been doing this for the last 20 years. We've loved every minute. But with the state of how things are at the moment with bills, it'll be the last one. I'm also set to turn 74 next year, and climbing all those ladders isn't as easy as it used to be. Next year, we will still have some lights up, but they'll just be in the front garden. The front of the house was covered in a variety of decorations, and a large inflatable Santa Claus greeted passers-by. And this is about a new Doorstep Kingdom girl's new venture. Two women behind a successful venture bringing children's favourite characters to their parties and events are celebrating a new venture. Doorstep Princess owners Nicole Powell, age 23, and Amber Cox, 26, have opened a new venue that they're calling Doorstep Kingdom. The pair are entertainers that dress up as princesses. I think that's who dress up as princesses and characters and can be hired for children's parties across Worcestershire. The business originally started two years ago during lockdown because they wanted to give children a reason to smile amid the upheaval of the Covid pandemic. For their next step, the pair are opening Doorstep Kingdom in Blackpool to hold parties. Co-owner Miss Powell said, It's a dream that we've wanted for a long while as two young women. We do a lot of birthday parties and we'll continue to go to parties. The team is hoping to host three parties a day over the weekends at the New Kingdom. The new venue has cost a lot of money, but we can't really reveal how much because there's still a lot to be done. But the new venue is really magical, and we hope the new year brings us a really stable and successful business. We know times are hard at the moment, so we have lots of offers when we open. We want it to be affordable and as magical as possible. The new venue is set to open in February this year, 
but the date has not been set, not yet been set. We want it to be as perfect for the big opening, Miss Powell said. We're two young women who've never run a business before, we don't have business degrees, and we're defying the odds. At first, having our own business seems so out of reach, but no matter the obstacle, we won't give up. It was tough setting it up. We don't come from really rich families, and you don't realise how much comes with it. We do everything in-house, all the advertising, finance and marketing, and everything else. This is our full-time job, and we're making our dreams come true every day. Miss Powell added, It's amazing. We started two years ago with no investments. We bought all the costumes off our own back. Oh, good luck to them. Indeed. A rather less cheery story. Water water logging at the Earl's Court development ruined our Christmas, according to a concerned neighbour. Earlier this year, developers Taylor Wimpy and Redrow stopped work at the Earl's Court development west of Bromyard Road following damage to an ancient monument. It comes after the developers encroached on a public right-of-way home to an ancient scheduled monument. Elis Browning, who lives on Tudor Way, has called the water logging so upsetting after taking pictures out on a recent walk. She said, The damage has honestly ruined our Christmas. We live on Tudor Way and we tried to fight these plans when they first emerged, but eventually gave up. We went for a walk today, December the 28th, and seeing all of the damage caused is just so upsetting. There are underground springs that have now changed nature. Whatever are the consequences going to be? We're dreading every rainstorm now. An ancient monument has been flooded when this field was supposed to be protected. They've just gone on without any concern for wildlife or the environment or us living nearby. The affected area is owned and operated by Betts Ecology, which is the managing agent and landowners of the public open space located to the east of the site. The Earls Court Consortium has been liaising with Betts Ecology throughout the works. A spokesperson for the Earls Court Consortium Development said, We understand and appreciate the concerns raised by a local resident following the recent heavy rainfall. We would like to reassure residents that temporary on-site measures were put in place before Christmas to control any potential excess surface water runoff. We have installed slip trenches, an earth mound, also known as a bund, and over-pumping on-site, which have been inserted until the permanent drainage connection is completed at the end of February. According to the consortium, contractors have been visiting the site daily to monitor the water pumps and buns to ensure the temporary measures are working as they should be. It has also been confirmed that no homes have been affected by the recent waterlogging issues in the area. Um, A charity has released an urgent appeal to home guide dog mums in the new year. Guide dogs are site a sight loss charity, is looking for volunteers across Worcestershire who can give a loving home to one of their four-legged mums in the new year. Lynn Brehout, who is from Worcester, has been a volunteer breeding dog holder for guide dogs for three years and looks after a guide dog mum called Dottie. Dottie had her second litter of pups on December the 12th, which was a lovely end to the year. She had five boys and four girls who will be named at around six weeks of age. 
The dog owner said, It was lovely having puppies with us on Christmas Day. They lay, slept and looked gorgeous. We had a stocking hung up for each of the pups and they had a little toy and a crochet blanket each, which they'll take with them when they leave us. Dottie is just lovely to have around. She's a really fantastic dog. The times when she's not pregnant are great as well because she gets to spend time with us going wherever we want to go. Volunteering as a breeding dog holder for guide dogs has opened up a whole new world. I've made new friends and the staff are lovely. If I'd known about this years ago, I would have applied a long time ago. Kelly Newton, who's the operations manager at Guide Dogs, said the team hopes to provide guide dog mums with a loving and permanent home. She said, We've launched an urgent appeal this new year, asking the people of Worcestershire and surrounding areas to provide a loving, permanent home to one of our guide dog mums. We provide all the training and equipment required so you feel well prepared to care for our mums and their puppies when they arrive. Our guide dog mums can live with other animals and children too, providing it's the right environment for them. If you're from Worcestershire or the surrounding area, please do get in touch. By giving a lifelong home to a guide dog mum, you'll help us to provide more life-changing guide dogs to people with sight loss in 2023 and beyond. Tuesday, one of the stories in the paper, it's Last Orders at Town Centre Pub. Punters will be able to enjoy pints for just under a pound at pubs across Worcester, just as one is set to close for good. National pub chain Weatherspoons has announced a January sale, which will see booze for bargain prices at two Worcester pubs. Managers at the Postal Order on Fourgate Street and the Crown in Crown Passage will be reducing the price of drinks and meals from today. That's Tuesday, last. The Postal Order manager, Robert Deeming, said department stores and shops hold their sales in January, so it's the perfect time to have a sale in the pub too. The range of drinks and food on sale in the pub is aimed at suiting a wide variety of tastes. This year we've included our biggest selection of low and non-alcoholic drinks too. I believe that the January sale will prove popular with our customers. As always, staff at the pub will serve customers responsibly. The sale has come just in time for the postal order, which is set to close for good on Sunday. Having spent over a year on the market, Weatherspoons announced the impending closure last month, although it's not yet known what the city venue will become. Eddie Gershon, who is spokesperson for the pub chain, said the pub will open on January the 8th, and that will be its final day. Worcester news readers have shared their sadness at the, at the impending closure, as well as memories from drinking at the pub. Sharon Grubb said, We had a brilliant afternoon on the Saturday Tom Jones was in Worcester. Several Welshmen started singing, had the whole pub singing with them. Absolutely brilliant. Linda Robery said, I shall miss this place and all the lovely friendly staff who I class as friends. Meanwhile, the January sale will continue at the Crown up until and including Tuesday, January the 17th. Drinks featured in the sale include... Are you ready? A range of draft beers and ciders, spirits, soft drinks, coffee. A pint of Ruddles Best will set you back just 99 pence, as will a 25 milliliter measure of Bell's Whiskey with a mixer, a bottle of Beck's Blue and the unlimited refill coffees. Other drink deals include a Bud Light or Stoford Press apple cider for £1.69 and a pint of Guinness for £2.89. Um... Decision made on supermarket bid. 
a supermarket will be allowed to carry out 6am deliveries after a government inspector overruled the council. Budget supermarket Aldi had asked Worcester City Council to approve plans to allow 6am deliveries to its Tybridge Street store in Worcester but the request was turned down by councillors over fears it would be too disruptive for those living nearby. The supermarket appealed to the government's planning inspector in a bid to get the decision overturned and won. Planning inspector Helen Smith said allowing earlier deliveries would have a low impact. Aldi said it had told drivers to keep the noise to a minimum and deliveries to Tybridge Street Supermarket used wooden pallets instead of noisier metal cages. No noise complaints have been made, according to Worcestershire Regulatory Services. In a report outlining the approval, the planning inspectorate said the proposed hours are the same as those used temporarily during the COVID-19 pandemic. This temporary permission, which allowed deliveries at the store to take place from 6am, has effectively been a trial period. This temporary period also covered the warmer summer months, when neighbouring residents would have been more likely to open their windows. It is noted that during this temporary period, there were no noise complaints made to either the store or the local authority. While a decision would usually have been delegated to the council's planning officers, the proposal was discussed by the planning committee at the request of St John's councillor Richard Udall over the potential disruption it could cause for residents living nearby. Councillor Udall asked the planning committee to be sensitive to the location, geography and residential amenity of the area and allow people living nearby to have some peace in the morning and not be disturbed by deliveries. He said neighbours, many of whom were elderly and vulnerable, should not have to put up with the crashing and banging, running engines, vehicles reversing and all the other noises that earlier deliveries would bring. Thank you. So the 2023 Malvern Walking Festival has opened for bookings and promises to be bigger than ever. The popular festival, which will see more than 70 walks take place over nine days, will take place from Saturday, May the 27th to Sunday, June the 4th. As always, the walks take place mostly in and around the Malvern Hills, officially designated an era of outstanding natural beauty. Some are a bit further afield in Worcestershire and Herefordshire. There are multi-day walks, all-day walks and shorter half-day jaunts, and last year, all the walks sold out. Many walks are themed, covering heritage, local history, geology, water, farming and gardens. There are even a couple of walks dedicated to beer and breweries. This year, for the first time, there will be a three-day Cotswold Railway Walk, combining a train ride to the start and walk back to the station each day. All walks are graded from gentle to strenuous, with the most strenuous walk covering the 31-mile Worcestershire Way in a day. Festival chairman Bob Baldwin said, As a result of the pandemic, many people were introduced to the joys of walking and rambling for the first time and have kept it up. Our 2022 festival was sold out with hundreds of our regular walkers being joined by many new participants. 
This year will be our biggest ever since we started in 2005, making the Malvern Walking Festival one of the largest in southern England. I encourage people to get onto our website as soon as it opens in January and book a walk or two before we're sold out again. Mr Baldwin added, For a second year, we are pleased to be supporting the Midlands Air Ambulance Charity, although, of course, we sincerely hope we will have no need for their services during the festival. You can book walks via the Malvern Walking Festival website, malvernwalking.uk. Sorry, there's a hyphen between Malvern and walking, so this is all lowercase, malvern-walking.uk. And the advice is to do so soon, as the walks are expected to sell out. There's a fee to take part in the walks, with many priced at £5 to join. Thank you. All right. A former dinner lady is warm again after her windows were fixed while her neighbour shivers in a coat and scarf because the work has yet to be done in his place. Jill Pullen had her window insulation improved in her Warnden flat before Christmas, promoting praise for platform housing, which manages the block. However, her neighbour, Wayne Penn, who lives in the same block of flats in Crickley Drive, Warnden, has arthritis in his knees and is still wrapped up in a coat and scarf as he waits for his windows to be fixed. The workman fixed the insulation in Mrs Pullen's lounge, kitchen and bathroom after City Councillor Jill DeSera flagged the jobs with landlord platform. Mrs Pullen, who worked at Oasis Academy in Warnden for 19 years as a cleaner and dinner lady, said it was letting in all the cold air. The windows should have been replaced last year or the year before. I've now been told this is not happening until 2025. All the windows in the flats need upgrading. She said the workman used a tool to tuck in rubber insulation that had come loose three weeks before Christmas and added, if not for Jill, I would still have been waiting now. I'm pleased the work has been done. That strengthening of the insulation has made an impact. Mr Penn has arthritis in both knees and understands Platform will be returning to look at the windows in in his flat. He said... The flat is draughty and cold and it gets damp around the window. You can see the condensation. When it was run by Fortis, they said the windows were warped and the frames had not been put in right for the whole block. Mr Penn said he'd put up double-lined curtains to try and keep in the warmth. It's not too bad in summer. It's winter time. It does aggravate my arthritis. I have to put the heating on. I might as well just chuck my money out the window, he said. Councillor Jill DeSera, who reported the issues in November, said these sealed unit double-glazed windows were fitted throughout the block some decades ago, but they fit very poorly with gaps and uneven seals. I understand that these issues have been reported by many of the residents multiple times over the years. Okay, this uh, story is headed Fly Tipping Solution which I don't think is going to be only tip flies when you're happy with the service they've provided. A landscape gardener says a service to dispose of green commercial waste at a council-run Worcester tip would help stop fly tipping. Mike Dwyer disposes of his business waste outside the city because the recycling centre in Bilford Road, Worcester, will not accept it. He stressed he was prepared to pay to dispose of green commercial waste in the city. 
The 59-year-old of Mason's Drive Blackpool, who runs Garden Craft, pays to dispose of green waste at a tip in Wire Piddle near Pershaw, because his local city tip only accepts household rubbish. He says he and other tradesmen believe there should be a service run by the council for commercial waste disposal within Worcester. However, a spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said household recycling centres within Worcestershire are provided for use by residents to dispose of their own household waste free of charge. No business waste is allowed at any facility. Mr Dwyer has a trailer which allows him to store green waste before paying to dispose of it around once a month. But he said, if I'm doing a big job, I may have to go the same day. I can't drop it at Bilford Road, which would be ideal. I even offered to pay for that. It's silly. I feel very angry about it. It's very duffed. Mr Dwyer thinks a more locally based service would help reduce the carbon footprint for city traders and make fly tipping less likely. Previously, he secured permits to get rid of the waste at Bilford Road, but said he was still stopped from disposing of it by workers at the tip. He added, if it's that difficult to get rid of waste, some, someone is going to put it in some farmer's gate or something. It's encouraging fly tipping. Councillor Jill Desira has written to the council about it. A spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said, If you operate any form of business, you have a legal responsibility under the Environmental Protection Act of 1990 and other related legislation to safely contain and legally dispose of any waste produced from your business. If you don't, you can be taken to court as you are committing an offence. If you are found to be disposing of your waste illegally, you will be prosecuted. The maximum penalty is a fine of £50,000 and up to 12 months imprisonment in the magistrate's court, five years imprisonment and unlimited fine if it goes to Crown Court. And this is six events in the diary for 2023, so get your diaries out. There's never a shortage of things to see and do in Worcestershire, and 2023 promises to be no different. We've rounded up some of the biggest events to look forward to in and around the county. The Upton Blues Festival. This festival, which takes place over the entire town for a long weekend, is the biggest of its kind in the UK, and the event takes place from July the 21st to the 23rd of July. Lakefest, one of the biggest festivals in the area. Lakefest takes place at Eastnor Castle, Deer Park, near Ledbury. And in 2023, it will be on from August the 10th to the 13th. The Worcester Music Festival. This free festival is returning to Worcester from Friday, September the 15th to Sunday, September the 17th. The Royal Three Counties Show. Morven's Three Counties Showground will once again host the Royal Three Counties Show in 2023. From June the 16th to the 18th, visitors can enjoy livestock parades, extreme sports dem demonstrations, show jumping, carriage driving and more. The show is so big, it has its own <coughs> food and drink festival, which promises more than 100 exhibitors. The Battle of Evesham. At 2023 version, more than 500 people will reenact the Battle of Evesham on the weekend of August the 5th and 6th. This free event will see 30 knights ride into battle on horses and a grand parade take place on Crown Meadow. Light night, Worcester, for two nights in February, the city centre will be lit up with a programme of creative and interactive 
performing work and street performance. Thanks, Jane. So this is um, Bishop John Inge sharing his New Year message with the Worcester News and their readers. Like enormous numbers of others, I watched The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse this Christmas. Some have dismissed it as sentimental twaddle, but I thought there was deep wisdom in it. One exchange in the film has struck, sorry, has stuck with me. What do you want to be when you grow up? The mole asks the boy. Kind, replies the boy. What a great ambition. Is kindness underrated nowadays? It certainly shouldn't be. Its roots go deep in our culture. In the Old Testament, loving kindness is perhaps the greatest virtue of all. It became central to Christianity as the concrete expression of loving our neighbour. Wordsworth's wonderful poem, Tintin Abbey, says that the best part of a good person's life is his or hers little, nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and love. I don't believe there's any better way to be remembered than having been kind. I come across lots of kind people and acts of kindness, but our society doesn't always feel like a very kind one. If we all undertook to be more kind as our New Year's resolution, great things could be achieved. Happy New Year. So that was from the Right Reverend Dr John Inge. Mm -hmm. Catherine? Mm -hmm. Right. A cycling group in Worcester have launched a scheme to refurbish and recycle old bikes. Bike Worcester wants to help local people to make more healthy, sustainable travel choices with affordable bikes, as well as reducing the environmental impact of sending old bikes for scrap. The purpose of the bike recycling scheme is to create value from bikes that would otherwise be left unused or sent for scrap metal. The volunteer-led scheme will mean that people in Worcester will have more access to affordable bikes. The plans have been based on other successful schemes in the area, including Evesham, Malvern and Cheltenham. Bike Worcester is working with Worcester Council and are exploring relationships with local charities to find people who are most in need of affordable bikes. Bike Worcester have already been donated a few children's bikes, meaning they'll be able to help parents who cannot afford to keep buying ever bigger bikes for their growing children. As well as providing immediate enjoyment, the group hopes this will nudge children towards healthy habits and sustainable travel choices that stay with them for life. The group supports a number of family-focused initiatives for active travel, including bike bus for cycling to school and kiddical mass. A spokesperson for Bike Worcester said, By recycling bikes rather than letting them be scrapped, we're greatly reducing the raw materials and energy consumption compared to making a new bike and disposing of an old one. This sustainability and energy-saving benefit is really important right now and for the future. If you have a bike that your children or grandchildren have grown out of, maybe they have new bikes for Christmas, or you have a bike that's sitting unused in your garage or shed, please donate it. The easiest way to donate a bike is to bring it to the indoor bike parking area in Crowngate Shopping Centre, opposite Vision Express on Ferrari Walk, just off Angel Place. When you arrive, use the intercom on the outside door, or call the centre on 01905 610065 to let the security staff know you're there and they will come and secure it or take it directly to our store. 
If you have several bikes to donate, please phone ahead so the team can arrange for you to drive into Crown Gate's loading area and have someone meet you and take the bikes. Distillery set for a return. A Worcester distillery is planning its return to the city despite a move to Cathedral Square falling through. Piston Gin left the Royal Porcelain Works in September and moved production to an industrial unit in Staverton near Cheltenham. But the company had no intention of leaving Worcester for good and has been searching for a suitable building to house its flagship store. We were signing to take the last available unit in Cathedral Square, said General Manager Grace Stringer, but we couldn't make it work for multiple reasons. It was a huge disappointment for us and has really pushed back the return to Worcester. The main reason for the move was that we really needed to separate production from events and gin school. As both parts of the business were expanding, they were becoming difficult to run from the same venue while keeping them both to a high standard. Piston is now in the final stages of buying the Danks warehouse in Diglis Basin, but it's also preparing to host events at its Cheltenham base. Due to the delay in getting back up and running, we've decided to speed up the process of multiplying Gin School by bringing forward the fit-out of the Cheltenham headquarters site as we already occupy that space, said Grace. This will enable people to get back to Gin School much sooner. Our distillery in Cheltenham is fully up and running. It's in a space fit perfectly for the production of consumable goods. Above that space is the event and Gin School level with a fully operational cocktail bar. This industrial space looks down over both our distillery and a mechanics workshop and a display of cars. It's a petrol head's dream, which really aligns with our brand. Worcester's Danks building will be our flagship Worcester store. We'll have a retail outlet, Worcester-based gin school and event space, another cocktail bar and the ability to do small white-label production. It will keep our original internal brick feel and warm atmosphere while also upscaling the gin school in a space made exactly fit for purpose. Two different feels, one big expansion. It's very exciting and the ball is fully rolling. Yes, but then you've got to be careful, haven't you? Electrical faults could cause a blaze. This article says, Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service are warning people not to let electrical failures cause injuries or even deaths in their own homes. From 40 fridges and irons left unattended to dodgy plugs and wiring, electrical equipment can be an unnoticed fire hazard in the home. Dangerous electrics cause about 4,000 fires in the home each year. Counterfeit Electrical products remain an all-too-common problem, while even genuine items have problems, so registering purchases and monitoring electrical product recalls remain vital safety factors. HWFRS is urging people to consider more than just the price when considering a portable heater for the winter. New research, released by the charity Electrical Safety First, indicates that across the UK, 42% of respondents are either using or considering using an electrical heater to heat a single room in their home due to concerns over the cost of central heating. Their latest figures represent an 8% increase year on year in those planning to use electrical heaters this winter to heat a single room. According to the Electrical Safety First, with electrical faults and accidents causing more than half of all house fires in England annually, adults frequently ignore an electrical recall notice 
citing inconvenience, an unwillingness to go without a luxury product, and underestimating the risk of continuing to use the product. Leslie Rudd, chief executive of Electrical Safety First, said, Heating your home should never come at the expense of your own safety. While portable heaters can be useful to heat a small space, they can pose a real risk to your home and your life if mistakes are made when using them. With a significant number of people set to turn these and to turn on these appliances this winter, it's vital we use them safely. Top tips to stay safe. Don't overload plug sockets. Regularly check for worn or frayed wires. Unplug appliances when not in use. Keep appliances clean and in good working order. Never leave portable heaters unattended. Never leave them on while sleeping. Ensure that they are at least a metre away from any combustible materials such as paper or curtains. Ensure that they're kept well away from anything which could knock them over. Regularly inspect your heater for damage, and if it's damaged, don't use it. Emma added, shoppers can also check a product status at the Electrical Safety First free Check It Out site identifying third-party sellers on popular online retailers and helping make an informed buying decision. Find out more at www.electricalsafetyfirst, and that's all one word, org.uk slash checkitout slash dot. Having bought an item, don't forget to register it for free at the registermyappliance.org.uk And remember, if a bargain seems too good to be true, it most probably is. Emma is also reminding people that the HWFRS offers free home safety checks. You can complete a free online home fire safety check by following a link on our website. This easy-to-follow check will take you through your home room at a time. The simple questions will help you spot fire risks and can help make your home safer. You can also call our free phone telephone number on 0800 0321155 to see if you qualify for a visit. Free soup is food of love. So that's what it says. Free soup will soon be served thanks to a big-hearted venture to bring people together and keep them warm during the cost-of-living crisis. All are welcome at the first-ever Saturday Soup which is due to launch at St Wollstone's Church in Cranham Drive, Warnden, in the new year. The venture follows generous backing by registered social landlords who have between them and a Warnden shop given £1,000 to fund the project. Saturday Soup will be launched on Saturday, January the 7th and run until Saturday, March the 25th. The kitchen, run by, by Councillor Jill Dezera, who is supported by a team of volunteers, will be preparing vegetable soup and bread for anyone who wants to come. The Warnden Labour Councillor offered her thanks to organisations which made the initiative possible, with the lion's share of the money coming from Sanctuary, but generous support also coming from Citizen Housing, Platform Housing and the Spa Shop. Saturday soup follows on from the successful brunch scheme, which fed 50 people per week on some days. Councillor Zera, who will prepare the soup herself, said, It's registered as a warm hub and everybody is welcome. They don't have to be warned and residents to come here. 
it's going to be a healthy hot meal and I'm going to cook it from scratch. If there had not been the success of the brunch, I don't think it would have got the generous level of, support, of sponsorship. Councillor Desera said Saturday soup also doubles as a surgery for constituents to raise any issues they, may ha- they might have. Throughout Worcester, various agencies joined force to provide free meals at St Molston's Church in Cranham Drive on Saturdays between 10am and noon for the earlier brunch scheme. A team of volunteers served sausage and bacon sandwiches, or vegan options. The brunches started on October the 1st and proved a hit with the people of Warnden. Vicar Sarah Northall came up with the brunch idea and Councillor Zara organised and promoted it. Councillor Zara said the scheme was also about the social aspects of being a community and tackling loneliness. She is part of a cross-party group of city councillors who formed a subcommittee expressly to generate ideas on ways to support people through these extremely challenging times. <clears throat> well, here's another what's on um, piece of news, really. Um, it's a very short piece, just alerting us all to the fact that the Orchard Band is to play at St Martin's Church in London Road on Monday, January the 23rd at 10.30am. The band, playing as part of Tiny Tunes, consists of Alison Cragen on fiddle, Graham Ford, mandolin, Mike Gender, guitar and vocals, and Ian Cragen, percussion and stories. A spokesperson for the church said, This busy local band weaves together stories, songs and catchy music to bring you a veritable feast of fruit from the orchard. Entry for adults costs £6 and children go free. And that's on Monday, January the 23rd at 10.30. We had a story about this sort of thing late last year. I don't know whether you'll remember whether it's the same drink or not, but let's catch up with what's happening to Prime. Prime drinks snapped up. Desperate Aldi shoppers cleared the shelves of Prime in just 10 minutes after the supermarket opened its doors. Long queues of people snaked around Aldi stores in Worcestershire as people waited to get their hands on the coveted hydration drink. Three Prime flavours had gone on sale at Aldi as a special offer, priced at one ninety-nine. At the city's Aldi in Pheasant Street, the shelves were cleared of the drink within 10 minutes. As I just said, I think there were chaotic scenes across the UK on Thursday as people rushed to get their hands on bottles of the drink fronted by YouTubers KSI and Logan Paul. Videos showing adults snatching bottles out of children's hands while swarms of customers raced down the aisles trying to find the bottles. People were queuing outside Aldi and Malvern on Grovewood Road from 6am and there were not many bottles left shortly after 8am. However... It seems shoppers in Droitwich were less impressed and the Kidderminster Road Aldi still had stock later in the day. Over the last few months, the drink has been only sold in Asda in the UK and on the official website. Asda in Silver Street, Worcester regularly sells out of the drink, creating high demand, with one convenient shop selling bottles for £15. Nisa Local in Derwent Close say youngsters are so desperate to buy the drink they think nothing of paying above the typical asking price. Despite the inflated price, people have been queuing outside the store in Brickfields to pay the hefty fee for bottles of Prime Hydration. The convenience store has also started stocking 19, that's X1X Vodka, which has been created by a popular group of YouTubers, which includes, again, KSI, called Sidemen. 
KSI must mean something that I don't understand, I think. The store is selling X1X vodka for thirty-two ninety-nine, even though the official price of the drink is £35. After yesterday's chaos, people have been flogging bottles of Prime for more than quadruple their value. Some bottles of the £1.99 drink were now on sale for £8 online. And it seems punters that missed out are now ready to pay nearly 400% premium, or four times, as we said earlier, to taste it, with 10 bottles of Prime selling for 75 quid on Facebook Marketplace. Really? Yes. Do sometimes feel really? right. Okay. okay. Bloor Homes has put forward plans to build 100 homes on fields between Worcester Road and Starport Road in Great Whitley, near Worcester. The developer has not yet submitted a planning application, but has instead put forward a screening opinion, which means the District Council will have to rule whether the 100 home plan behind Great Whitley C of E Primary School and Great Whitley Village Hall needs an environmental impact assessment. They also need to consider, I think, um, the doctor's surgery, which is in fact full and not taking any more. The land earmarked by Bloor Homes has been included in the ongoing review of South Worcestershire Development Plan, the SWDP, which sets out where thousands of new homes will be built across the region in the next 20 years, but only for 44 homes. The previous plans to build 175 homes on the same land and neighbouring fields were turned down twice by planners at Morven Hills District Council in 2016 and 2017. The second plan, which received more than 100 objections from villagers in Great Whitley, was turned down again by a government planning inspector after an appeal was launched by Worcester-based developer Stennard Harrison Marston Developments. MHDC planners said the addition of up to 175 homes would urbanise the village and harm views from Whitley Park and would be prominent and dominant against the Grade 2 listed Whitley Court. Planners added the homes would bring about a significant incursion into the open countryside which would be significantly at odds with the surrounding built and natural environment. A statement included with the application said, the emerging allocation in the SWDP uses an arbitrary boundary that does not follow the natural field boundary. The proposed development demonstrates that a greater amount of new housing can be achieved over a slightly larger land area, continuing the organic character of development in Great Whitley. The proposed development would see the current agricultural field being developed for new housing, roads, drainage and open space, with construction activities being undertaken for a period of time not expected to be longer than two years. Thank you, Jane. And that concludes uh, the general news stories. It's been a bit of a thin uh, sort of cull, hasn't it? There wasn't very much for us to read to, I'm afraid, today. Um, But we'll carry on and here is some sport. Um, I'll begin with what's a pretty dismal start for Worcester City football. And Jane will actually have a bit more of a report later. But this is about the city gaffer Corns. He's confident wins will arrive after a rocky start. Chris Corns admits he's going back to the drawing board after seeing his Worcester City side lose their opening three games under his leadership. 
Having joined the club in November, Corns has lost his three games in charge, the most recent being the controversial 3-1 defeat at Litchfield City on Monday. They now sit 18th in the table out of the relegation zone on goal difference alone. When you're in a bit of a rut and you need that bit of luck, you don't get it, said Corns. I look at the three games we've played since I arrived and maybe we could have taken points from all of them. It's tough, but we just have to go back to the drawing board, really. You'd like to think the fans that have seen us in these three games have seen the improvement in the style of play and what we're trying to do. City are in a relegation scrap as it stands. There's no getting away from the fact, that rather daunting fact. But in Corns, they have a man who knows exactly how to handle the situation, having produced the great escape with Budley Town last season. Budley had been rock bottom with only a couple of months in the season to play before Corns and assistant manager Ryan Rowe came in and kept them up. Now Corns is hoping to use that in his new job, but maybe a bit sooner rather than later. I went through this at Budley. We only had a few games and didn't have the quality we do here, but there we were the underdog and we didn't have all the attention we do here, he added. At Worcester, we're a big side. Worcester City still holds a lot of weight in non-league football, so people want to see us down there and struggling. Maybe I'd be the same if I was on the other end of it. But we have to just keep going, and once we turn that corner and get that winning feeling back, we'll come out the end of this. It's just that little bit of composure we need. Well, best of luck to And here is a tribute to Pelé. Uh, City player Alan Green remembers playing and scoring against footballing legend who died this week. An ex-footballer, born and raised in Worcester, has described the incredible moment he played and scored against legend Pele. Former Coventry City striker Alan Green, born and bred in Tolodyne, played against the three times World Cup winner in the 1970s in the Far East, describing him as the greatest of all time and a wonderful player. Mr Green, who has an England cap, even had his photo taken at a poolside with laid-back and friendly Pelle when he found they were staying at the same hotel. The two also played for the New York Cosmos, though not at the same time. Tributes have poured in from across the world for the Brazilian, arguably the greatest player ever, who died at the age of 82 on December the 29th. He's credited with scoring a world record 1,281 goals in 1,363 appearances during a 21-year career, including 77 goals in 92 matches for his country. Mr Green, who's now 68, played against Pelé in Bangkok, Thailand, during an end-of-season tour in 1972. The clash between Coventry and Pele's team, Santos, ended with Mr Green scoring a goal. That made it even more remarkable, said Mr Green, who now lives in Hallow. He came on as a sub in the last 15 minutes of the game, saw the keeper was off his line and lobbed the ball into the back of the net. The game finished a two-all draw and he does not believe Pele himself scored during the encounter. What a memory to have. <clears throat> Our Lions, says the headlines. Big, big, black, deep type. And I'll explain why now. Worcestershire duo Jack Haynes and Josh Tung have been named in the England Lions test squad heading out to Sri Lanka. The pair will fly out in January for a three-week tour in which they'll play two test games against Sri Lanka's A-team. 
It will be Haynes' first tour with the Lions after the batter took part in a three-week training camp in Abu Dhabi last November. He said, it's brilliant news. Dubai was brilliant, good exposure, and now to have the opportunity to play a few games for the Lions is brilliant and looking forward to it. It was a good trip, a lot of full-on training, and to play against the test side at the end was really good fun. It would have been nice to get a few more runs. He did get 36, but all good. In 2020, Haynes was part of the England side at the ICC Under-19s World Cup, during which he hit 68 against Sri Lanka in the plate competition final. So best of luck to those two Worcestershire players. More City pain. Worcester City once more left frustrated as Litchfield strike at crucial times in a 3-1 victory. And it was a mixed start to the year for the two Worcester clubs on Monday afternoon. Worcester City suffered their third straight defeat under new manager Chris Corns as his side were left frustrated in their 3-1 loss at Litchfield City. City had numerous chances through the game, but sloppy goals saw them beaten by the promotion-chasing Litchfield. As for the other side of the city, Worcester Raiders came <coughs> from behind to beat Wantage Town 2-1. Shea Willock scored both goals after the break to give Carl Gormley's men the three points. And with Town more than Town being held at Royal Wooden Bassett Town... Ooh, um, it means they cut the gap on the top two in the Hellenic League Premier. Mm, gosh. Good luck for Worcester yeah. City. Yeah. Well, that's the sport. As I said, it's all a bit thin at the moment. Um, hopefully it'll get... There'll be more articles coming up soon. Um, I'll move on to the birthdays, I think. And we have three birthdays. Four, if you include mine. Um, we have Jean Edwards on the 6th of January. I think that... That's tomorrow, isn't it? So happy birthday for tomorrow, Jean. And on the 8th, it's Valerie Martin. Also on the 8th is Sandra Clinton. And on the 9th is Pippa Curtis. So happy birthday to all of us. Have a lovely day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I've also got the sunrise and sunset times here. And the sun rose this morning at 8.18 a.m. And it's going to set tonight at 4.10 PM. So we're gradually getting there. Slightly longer days, um, week by week. Seems very dark at the moment, though, doesn't it? So before we wrap up completely, Jane, I think you've got the thought for the week for us, haven't you? Yes. And the week ending Saturday the 7th is from Psalm 85, verses 9 and 10. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Lovely. Thank you very much. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I'd like to thank my readers today. Uh, That's Jane, Phil and Catherine. And waving from the other side of the glass is John, the engineer. And goodbye from me, Pippa. I hope you have a good week ahead. Michael Kelly, formerly of Royal Worcester Porcelain, passed away in hospital on the 22nd of December, aged 81. The funeral has already taken place. Donations, if desired, for Worcester Locomotive Society should be sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. David Knight of Ombersley passed away peacefully in hospital on the 15th of December, aged 91. 
The funeral has also already taken place. Donations, if desired, for Diabetes UK may be sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, the same address, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Ronald and Mavis Joyce Lewis. Mavis passed away at Courthouse Care Home, Malvern, on the 11th of December, aged 91 years. Ronald passed away at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on the 18th of December, aged 93 years. They will be sadly missed. Their funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, the 11th of January at 1pm. Family flowers only, please. However, donations for Friends of Malvern Community Hospital may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, WR 14 1TL, telephone number 01684892777. Ada Margaret Stanley died peacefully aged 85 on December the 9th. Uh, the funeral has already taken place um, and donations may be made to the ME Association. Dawn Styles of Callow End uh, died on December the 23rd, 2022, aged 64. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, January the 16th at 12.15pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for Dogs for Good and the MS Society may be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Iris Myrtle Whiting, née Morris, formerly of Nightwick, passed away on Wednesday the 21st of December, aged 91. The service will be at the Willow Chapel of Cheltenham Crematorium on Wednesday the 18th of January at 10.30am. Flowers are welcomed, or if desired, donations for the benefit of the British Heart Foundation. All inquiries, care of the Cooperative Funeral Care, Grosvenor House, 72 Lansdowne Road, Cheltenham, GL 6QL, telephone O one two four two five eight zero three three six. Joyce Hendry passed away on the tenth of December. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, the twelfth of January at twelve fifteen. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the guide dogs, and these may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E. J. Gummery, address aforementioned. Hetty Jones, wife of the late Michael, passed away on December the 19th. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for St Michael's Hospice and Alzheimer's Research UK. And it says, for finalised funeral arrangements, please contact Emma Booston. That's B-O-U-S-T-O-N. Emma Booston Funeral Services, 3 New Road, Bromyard, HR 74AH, or ring 01885. Four eight double nine double zero. Anthony State, known as Akko, passed away on December the twenty third. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, the eighteenth of January, at twelve fifteen. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the British Disabled Angling Association, and these may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E. J. Gummery. Long Joan. 
passed away peacefully at her home in Worcester on Thursday, the 15th of December, 2022, aged 82 years. Funeral service to take place on the 25th of January, 2023, at St Paul's Church, Worcester, at 11am, followed by the committal at Astwood Cemetery at 1pm. All flowers welcome. Inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors. Telephone 01905 22892. Roberts Michael sadly passed away on 26th of December, aged 91. Service of Thanksgiving at All Saints Church, Cottesbrook on Friday 20th of January at 2pm. Followed by the raising of glasses at Cottesbrook Village Hall. On Dad's request, cheerful clothes. Family flowers only, please. If desired, donations to the Royal British Legion and Cottesbrook Church can be left at the service or sent to J. Stampson Son, The Chestnuts, 15 Kettering Road, Market Harborough, Leicestershire, LE16-8AN. Worthington, Richard James George, passed away peacefully on 15th of December 2022, aged 75 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 11th of January at 10am. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for the British Heart Foundation or St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3-7EU. <laughs>